of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. So, to Fiat. Voice of the Millennials. With Yasin Kipi. Igniting the youth. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Voice of the Millennials and we've been speaking about the uh, Israeli apartheid week and um, doing comparative analysis really on uh, how it's been happening, um, you know, what's taking place at UCT this year as well as uh, Dwitz University and we spoke to Asif Bulbali who, who um, you know, recited us, uh, to, for us, um, recited to us um, a, a poem that he wrote about the Nakba, of course it's the 70th anniversary on that. We also spoke to Nankalekum Tambo, who was chairperson of the PSC um, and uh, in studio we, we've been speaking to Rehan Chikte, UCT medical student and uh, Leila Kimi who is also um, a UCT student and, and she gave uh, quite an inspiring um, talk yesterday where he's uh, you know, uh, at the rally at um, UCT, um, you know, calling out the, the the Zionist lobby for what they really are. Um, but um, if you want to listen to that, the podcast will be up um, soon um, of that online. You can listen to us on Iono. Um, but now we come to a segment that is called Millennial Profile, where we, we, we look at someone specifically, um, you know, what their interests are and what the ideals are and what, the, what their thoughts are on, on issues and the trajectory of their life and um, they've been uh, those who have had success and those who will definitely have success inshallah and um, and I'm lucky to um, continue speaking to Leila Kimi uh, Leila again assalamualaikum alaikum salam so you're South African but you grew up in Brunei uh, many people don't know where Brunei is you know I know it's in Southeast Asia um, but tell us about Brunei and, and that experience Okay, so you're right. A lot of people don't know where it is. Um, so it's become kind of a little game of mine whenever I meet someone for the first time to see. Yeah. Um, so Brunei is on the island of Borneo. Um, it's a tiny country. Um, it's bordered by Indonesia and Malaysia. Uh-huh. Um, so super tiny. It's got a population of 400,000 people. Yeah. Um, and it's a completely Muslim country. So uh, as a Muslim, I guess... For me, it was just, um, I think, one of the best experiences just because, you know, always being surrounded by Mm -hmm. your religion. Um, And I went to an international school there. Yeah. um, And I think that's been something, I mean, I think that's been the biggest thing that's shaped me Mm -hmm. to date. Um, Just always being surrounded by people with different views and different opinions and, you know, from different backgrounds. Um, and to this day, uh, whenever I'm about to travel somewhere, I send out on Facebook, like, hey, I'm going to be here. Yeah. And surprisingly, I actually end up meeting people I went to school with seven years ago <laughs> for coffee yeah, yeah. in a random little city somewhere in the world. And yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Um, your surname's not Kippy, it's Kimmy, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know where <laughs> that comes from. Do you know? Um, okay, so my dad makes lots of jokes with me, so I never yeah. quite know when he's being okay. serious about <laughs> this. But I, I've heard that I'm Indonesian royalty somewhere there. So well, 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 that, I'm going to stick with that being the best fi- story. Well, that's not far fetched <laughs> at all because, I mean, um, I think uh, just from uh, looking at those who were sent to the Cape, um, it wasn't really the. the, the, the 
somewhat lower classes of Indonesian society because yeah. they would always seen those who were most influential um, yeah. away. Um, you know, if we were, I'm, I'm sure the story is not as exciting, but I'm going to stick with this one for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, just uh, one more point about Brunei because I mean, I'm always interested in, in understanding culture and how it relates. To the expression of Islam, um, you know, in Indonesian Malaysia, Indonesia is the biggest Muslim country in the world. Uh, it's very difficult to manage one culture, mm-hmm. you know, monoculture. Um, and uh, Saudi Arabia, as we spoke about earlier, um, is definitely a, um, you know, a certain culture that has definitely, you know, come into the expression of Islam. Um, and for some people, that's quite uh, difficult, um, you know, to 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 live that way uh, as mm-hmm. a Muslim. Um, how is it in Brunei? What is their cultural expression of Islam? Um, so I would say the cultural expression of Islam in Brunei is very very similar uh, to Malaysia okay. and Indonesia, and so. Uh, quite similar to South Africa then, um, mm-hmm. understandably. Yep. Um, but of course, there are differences. Um, but my Ustad growing up was Indonesian, and I recite like all of my friends here. So okay. I wouldn't say there's a massive, yes. um, a massive difference. Uh, they are facing a little bit of, I won't say controversy, maybe just um, it's... Ex- They've enjoyed more press attention. I think we can put it that way. Yeah. Uh, recently, because they've taken the um, taken the initiative to to become governed completely by Sharia law, mm-hmm. um, and so that's been something that's you know been in the media spotlight. Uh, but I returned in 2015 mm-hmm. when all of this was happening, and it was same old peaceful Brunei. Yeah. yeah. That's quite interesting. Um, so then, h- how did your inspiration come to study law? Because you're currently in your final year of law, and you have the intention of continuing your, your studies next year with international human rights law uh, and public interest litigation. Uh, tell us about your, that inspiration to do law. Um, uh, where did that come from? Sure. Uh, I think growing up, I was always... You know, before I turned 15, I was always very angry. My mom says I was a very angry (laughs) child um, because there was just a lot happening in the world and there was so much I was angry about and there was so much I wanted to change. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was always the thread that kept me going. Um, And I think that's what's tied everything together and eventually um, led me to study law. Uh, But it wasn't something I was always very, very sure of. I know in matric, at one point I wanted to be a doctor and then I wanted to be a race car driver and my head was all over the place. Um, But by the end of my gap year, I knew that law was where I wanted to end up because at the end of the day, the real change we're going to make in people's lives is through policies Mm -hmm. and um, through codes of good practice and through acts and through laws that... Um, afford the most vulnerable their rights. And so I do hope to continue um, with a master's either in public interest litigation um, or international human rights law. Yeah, and um, as we were saying early on that um, there's a lot of people that support the Palestinian cause um, but to find your purpose and how to be effective in that is very important. Um, You found that as being um, international human rights law and law itself. I I was quite, um, I had a moment of of, of crisis when, when I heard about the in terms of like my education, when I heard about these these aid workers, um, some going to to um, you know Turkey and Jordan uh, to Syrian refugees and exploiting them mm-hmm. in exchange for um, you know sexual um, payments, etc. Yeah. Now, for me, that was how, how do you stop that? There needs to be some sort of regulation from a law that investigates who did that and are able to punish them. 
Not because yes. I, I want to. I just want to punish people. And vigilantism is definitely not the answer. Um, but because we need to do things, you know, um, uh, properly and effectively. Um, and so, I mean, for me, I'm not studying law. I, I am in social sciences, but I would definitely also want to do international human rights law. Um, tell us about that whole sphere. You know, can can people who are listening now who maybe are already in social sciences or perhaps in high school? Um, what is law about? And 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 is it is it is it as rewarding as it is as it seems so i think i think everyone has their um has their niche yeah in law so i've got friends who love commercial law and mm-hmm. for me to think about sitting and writing a contract <laughs> for 12 hours a day makes me want to pull my hair out if i have to be honest um but I, I think my niche is international human rights law. And I say that because when it comes to, you know, this week we've been speaking about Palestine. And when mm-hmm. it comes to issues like Palestine, I think that international human rights lawyers, it takes a certain personality. And so we need to be more fearless. Yeah. And we need to be a little bit more unapologetic. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop trying to, you know, tread lightly mm. um, on what's actually happening in the world. I, yeah. think, I think we've spent too much time time trying to appease people mm. and and that's not where i want to end up yeah. and I, I hope i don't ever end up there inshallah uh, yeah um, we, we we struggle with censorship also you know yes. like um can i say this but these are people i live with they're not at home but i'm talking about like as 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 you know as muslims or as in an organization um can you actually criticize people without being shut down sh- you shut see down? perhaps Perhaps the beauty of being a lawyer then is that yeah. when I do tread on toes, I'll know how to talk myself out of it. But will I you hope. be lying? Is that the stereotype <laughs> that lawyers are liars? <laughs> you know, I think that we're faced with lots of stereotypes. Um, and it's up to us as, as lawyers and as a new generation coming yeah. into the legal field, especially in a country like South Africa where the law was used to oppress. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a new generation of lawyers to understand the responsibility that yeah. comes with understanding the law um, and also the responsibility of the fact that we are the carriers of justice now. And so we need to understand that with this privilege of being afforded a legal education and with this privilege of being able to understand what it means to assert your rights properly through yeah. the courts um, comes a responsibility to ensure that we are protecting the rights of all. That's absolutely astounding. Uh, Leila Kemi reminding us about the importance of Turning anger into action, um, that really is the message. Uh, we'll take a break now and when we come back we'll continue Millennial Profile on The Voice of the Cape. Uptown, this is The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. So, to Fiat. Voice of the Millennials. With Yasin Kipi. Igniting the youth. Back to Voice of the Millennials with myself, Yasin Kipi. We're talking to Leila Kimi, South African who grew up in Brunei, uh, and she's in a final year of law, talking to us about turning anger into action, that frustration that we all have for, um, you know, human rights violations. In fact, it's Human Rights Day next week, um, and that's something that's very really important. Uh, one of the main, you know, organisations uh, that deal with that are the global. Uh, maybe self-proclaimed model authority in the world, the United <laughs> Nations. Um, 
but it was established and what I notice about you is that you in law that's the first step but it's not simply you know I'm studying law and that's it because law is competitive right it's always going to be competitive you took that extra step to be actually involved in projects that benefit now um, that are short-term as well as long-term uh, talk to us about the United Nations and your interaction with that um, you've had quite an interesting one so I work specifically with the World, the World Federation of United Nations Associations. Yeah. Um, so this, there's a branch in every country. Um, so there's a UNA South Africa, there's one in Australia, there's one in the States. Um, and so what, what Wafuna does is they do the work on the ground of the United Nations. Um, whether that be in human rights education, whether that be in, you know, drafting reports to see if we are, if we are, you know, um, cooperating with our treaties that we've signed and ratified. Yeah. But specifically, my work with them has been trying to get youth more involved with the United Nations and what the United Nations actually does. I think too often we see it as this organization up in the sky. Um, and it's not. I mean, it's here to benefit all of us. And so mm -hmm. we need to understand and we need to be able to engage with the organization in order for it to benefit us in any way. So just recently, um, I traveled to New York City yeah. and I worked at a Wafuna conference. So this was students from all over the world coming together and really engaging with what the United Nations means for their countries mm -hmm. um, and trying to find ways to deal with the world's issues. So I dealt specifically with the protection and promotion of human rights of children. Um, and I was quite amazed by the last day we had 15 different nationalities in one room. You know, I think about eight different languages. Wow. Um, I counted four different religions, four or five different religions, um, students between the ages of 15 and 18 years old, and they had somehow all come together and drafted a resolution um, on how to, how to protect and promote human rights for all. Mm -hmm. um, and that for me was amazing, and that left me inspired. And I came back and I was like, I'm ready for final year law now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, there's a lot of criticism of the United Nations. Um, and I've heard that in our own community, in the Muslim community. Um, but and you've had your criticism, I heard yesterday yes. as well. So um, you, you encourage people to, to join and to understand it. Uh, but you're still unapologetic about that. Tell us why. So I think that if if we are going to hold the United Nations um, as a moral authority or as an organization that's supposed to make great change in the world, then the first thing we need to do is to be very realistic about what the United Nations is actually doing, mm -hmm. where it's falling short and how we fix that. We can't fix what we don't identify. Yeah. And so I think that it's important to be critical. Mm. Um, it's important to be critical about what the United Nations is doing because if we simply let it go on the way it's going, you know, if you do what you've always done, then nothing ever changes. Mm -hmm. um, and so we can see that the United Nations has done a lot for the world, um, but we've got a long way to go. And as the youth, we can't simply put it in the hands of our old generations because they're not going to do it for us. Mm -hmm. And so it starts with being critical, but we must be cautious of just being critical and not figuring out solutions for the issues that we find. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's, you know, long term 
you know ways that we can become involved you know such as studying law such as um, these various projects um, but there is also this quick uh, fix um, you know an acknowledgement of an issue and also spreading of, of information that happens happens on social media what is your engagement with that and, and do you have any advice on how we can effectively somewhat use social media to to, to spread a, a positive message so we live in the digital age yeah so everything's online um, and we live in a very unique time where we can spread an idea from here to New York City in the blink of an eye um, and I think that we're very fortunate for that but to effectively use social media I think it's been an experience of growth for me. I used to be very emotional yeah. <laughs> on social media, you know, and very critical. Um, but if we are to engage meaningfully with each other, I think the first thing we need to do is to contextualize everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you are trying to, to um, you know, put an idea across or to bring someone to understand a concept mm-hmm. that you know very well on social media, you need to engage in a way that's respectful. Um, and I don't mean respectful in the sense that, um, I mean, I do mean respectful in the sense that you're not swearing and yeah. going on like crazy. Yeah. But I also mean respectful of knowing who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your argument is only ever going to be as good as you, as well as you know your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first of all, know your audience. Um, and second of all, maintain that level of respect because it's a lot easier to get through to someone when you've kind of gone to their side first than to stand firm from the beginning and never get them to change their mind. Yeah, and a lot of people might be confused, uh, you know, by by that statement because um, usually social media is what they call homophily, where yes. the love of sameness, you know, I just attack yes. the same people, and so it's difficult to to get people who oppose um, you because when you add a friend, they oh they they very similar to to me just from the the cover. Um, but uh, something that, that I, I mean, I, I, I like the um, South African Zionist Federation page <laughs> just yeah. to understand yes. what what their side of the coin is. You know, what do they mean when they say peace negotiations? You know, that's what uh, Margaret Thatcher wanted yes. for South Africa, but that didn't work out. So um, there's a lot of irony and those things. Um, let's take a break and, and, and just in our final segment after the break, we will, we will get some life lessons from Leila Kimi sure. after this break. <laughs> When you're building bigger, you need a partner that has your back. That's why there is no I in Buco, because we build together. Get large format Parisi tiles in ivory or grey at 64 and 90 per square meter. A 900 watt Ryobi angle grinder for 599 rand. And an Aquatina front flush toilet box set with seat and mechanism for only 699 rand. Go big with our back to side bargains from 25 January to 10 February. Buco, let's build bigger together. There's always great deals at Buco Vasco, Bergfleet and Buco City Store in Saltjava. Get your tongue dancing with Twizzle's refreshing exotic flavors. Twizzle Mango and Twizzle Liji. Experience the intoxicating aroma of summer and the tantalizing taste of a tropical island with every sip. Flavors so real, they music to your mouth. Twizzle, love the flavor. Listen up, Skapstad. 
Now, if you're looking for a one-stop chop shop, the Lamborghini of all meat markets, the Bifana Bifana of butchers, make no mistake. For the best quality and the best price in Grassy Park, Steenberg, Blue Downs and Athlone, there's only one place where you'll get the perfect meaty steak. Busy Corner Meat Hyper Stores. So don't be a chop man. Make a bull run down to Busy Corner Meat Hyper Stores, where people meet. Enjoy a family summer holiday in Turkey with Legend Tours. Join the nine-night Turkish Delight group tour departing 25th June 2018. For just 19,990 rands per person sharing, enjoy four nights on a fun-filled family resort in Kusadasi. Visit the ancient hot springs of Pamakali. The outdoor museum of Ephesus. The silk bazaars of Bursa. The alpine meadows of Ullendach. And finally, Enjoy the sights and sounds of Istanbul. This package includes return airfare, Turkey airport transfers, nine nights accommodation with breakfast, eight dinners and a barbecue lunch, and guided group tours, all for just 19,990 rand per person sharing. Terms and conditions apply. To join the Legend Tours Turkish Delight group tour departing 25th of June, call Legend Tours now on... 021-704-9140 Or visit our website on legendtours.co.za Legend Tours, your preferred travel management company Creating new memories Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape The voice of the Cape The voice of the Cape so, Voice of the Millennials With Yasin Kipi Igniting the youth. Welcome back. We're talking to Leila Kimi, a South African who grew up in Brunei and has a rich understanding of human rights. And it's Human Rights Day next week. It's in fact it's Human Rights Month uh, in March, and she's in a final year of of, of law. Uh, well, she'll go on to international human rights law, public interest litigation, and she's worked very closely with the United Nations. You'll be going next month to India um, as part of the the the, um, um, the Wafuna, right? The Wafuna World Federation of United Nations Association projects. Yes. Um, so we'll be going to India. And again, we're hosting a conference similar to the one in New York, mm-hmm. but this time we're focusing on high school students, okay. which should be an interesting experience. Um, so we're going to speak to speak to high school students um, about what the United Nations does. Yeah. Uh, they've been given a country each to represent, and they're going to come and try and solve the world's issues in four days. Okay. Um, so it's a pretty big feat. Um, my my area of expertise for India is going to be um, international organized crime prevention uh, with a focus on the smuggling of okay. migrants yeah. and trafficking of humans. Mm. Yes. That's interesting. Uh, let's get uh, to know yourself a little bit from, from, from some of these questions. Uh, is someone that you'd like to take out to lunch, maybe from, um, from history, you know, someone who has already passed on, who would that be? This is very cliche, but Leila Khalid, any day. Okay, well, I mean, someone who has passed on, right? She, she's uh, someone who's, who's... I mean, she's a historical figure okay. living or, <laughs> okay. you know? <laughs> so is that the one person that... That's uh, the one person. Okay. 
Th- that's interesting. We should set that up, eh? <laughs> that, that, I mean, uh, your husband, your future husband, should definitely set that up as like Inshallah. a wedding or something. Inshallah. Inshallah. Hopefully, that will <laughs> will happen. Um, the, uh, another question is, um, you know, it's recommend a book um, that 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 you found very beneficial. There's a book named "Do They Hear You When You Cry" uh, by Fosia Kassinger. And it's written about a, a woman who grows up in Togo, um, and she's a Muslim woman. Uh, she, her father sends her to school, which is quite controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her father passes away, and it's all about how she navigates um, this very patriarchal society um, as a Muslim woman that, uh, yeah. w- you know, was privileged enough yeah. uh, to be afforded an education. And it speaks about um, her struggles to... to f- um, to find asylum in mm-hmm. the eventually in the United States, yeah. uh, she starts out in Togo and she ends up in Germany and eventually in the United States. But a very interesting, a very interesting culmination of how law, Islam, social justice all comes together. It's very beautifully written, and I recommend it to everyone. Yeah, and that's absolutely important um, because. Young people and especially Muslims feel alienated from Islam often as a result of these foreign ideologies that we don't know how to deal with and that usually um, results in emotional outbursts and occasional violence. Um, um, just to plug my own blog, the I also have a blog um, that I'm <laughs> dealing with very similar issues. It's called Quotidian Muslim, the Quotidian Muslim, um, where I look at you know how how um, Islam's answers um, to modernity's biggest uh, debates. Uh, a movie you'd recommend? Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to give this one away, but if the if the quote "How do you like them apples?" sounds familiar, <laughs> then you need to go and watch this movie. Okay. Is that your quote as well that I was going to ask you? No, no, <laughs> no. That's not my quote. Can, can you can you give us a very um, inspiring and uh, interesting quote? Okay. So a quote that's always spoken to me is again Leila Khalid, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it goes. I have learned that a woman can be a fighter, a freedom fighter, a political activist, and that she can fall in love and be loved. She can be married, have children, be a mother. Revolution must mean life also, every aspect of life. And I think this is an important one because we often see strong women um, as those who will never be mothers or strong women as those who are forever going to be alone. Um, but you know, being strong and being a revolutionary must mean absolutely every aspect of life, and so even love can be revolutionary. Well, that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, th- that reminds me of uh, um, a story about an Andalusian woman, and um, who, who she wrote a poem to the governor of, um, sorry, to the Khalifa of that time, towards the end of the Andalusian um, Empire. And she, in a poem, she said, "You know, what do you say?" Because the the governor of her city had been oppressing the people. Yeah. Um, and she said, "What do you say about the shepherd who who kills his own sheep?" And the Khalifa, or the the caliph, was actually moved by that that he came to meet this lady, and and he actually ascertained that that was what was happening, and he removed that governor. That comes from the, the poem of of of, of a. You know, um, a lady who who just saw saw a problem yeah. in that, and so that's that's you know, that's absolutely amazing. Um, Leila, can we thank you so much? Um, thank you so uh, much for, for joining us, and we hope to have you again um, to to benefit from, from you. And um, of course, we had earlier on we had uh, Rehan um, Chikte um, as well as Asif Bubalia and. Um, 
Nkululeko Mtambo and uh, of course we were also visited by Fatima Roike um, who, who left us in a, in a gif as well but um, that's it from me Yasin Kipi and until next time um, next week will be the Paul Boland Summer Festival um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Tomorrow